it's interesting that everybody, I think, has these stories of these elementary or high school teachers where it was either a book they passed or just a little side comment. And it was a lesson that I took with me for the rest of my life when people ask me to meet up for coffee or to pick my brain or they want to work with us or they want a mentorship. I'm always very cognizant of the words that I choose because you don't know what's going to stick on someone. Welcome to the Mojo Moments podcast. Here's a little bonus piece that we have in my conversation with Mitch Joel. We actually did a little deep dive around getting advice and giving advice, something that he takes dear to heart, has been doing throughout his life. So here it is. Take a listen. You did drop out of university, right? You mentioned this earlier. So you're at Concordia and then you quit. Like, what was that? Well, again, so you have to go back and, you know, understand that I was interviewing rock stars and I wound up writing for a very large teen magazine. This was pre-internet that was like high color, glossy French and English cross Canada. And then the publisher of the magazine was a young guy, but got quite sick and decided he doesn't want to do this anymore. And I was like, this is the greatest job ever. You can't stop running this magazine. I'm like in my teens going backstage, getting free tickets and getting paid. It was great. It's the life. Like, yeah, it's like that or university, right? Yeah. I mean, people who see the movie Almost Famous are like, that movie was about you. I'm like, different era, but very, very similar, very, very similar. And um, I decided to start publishing my own magazines because again, I thought even at that age, like I want to be able to control my destiny here and see if I can do this. So I was publishing, you know, one or two magazines. I wound up publishing, you know, three or four before I closed that business down. And I just sort of was like struggling. I mean, I had taken on college university and philosophy and writing and stuff. And I was just struggling along. And I had a conversation. I was living at home at the time. And I just talked to my parents who were quite traditional in the like, you will get a degree and go on to have a job like a good human being. And you know, my mother, I think it was my mother basically said, look, these magazines seem to be sort of the thing you want to do. It seems to be working like there's a business there you know, why don't you focus on that? Because you can always go back to university, but you may not be able to have a successful business if you try and do everything. And it was, I knew that. I mean, I knew that that was the answer, but it was very refreshing to sort of have your parents basically give you permission to a certain degree, even though I didn't need it and I could have raged against the machine. It was very helpful because there was that support and infrastructure underneath it. And it also was a bit of a breath of fresh air to really make a run at the business. Don't, I could always go back to school. I'm young. It's so true. Like it was quite an awakening. And I think I even carried that lesson on into everything, right? It's like, I'm always like, look, if worse comes to worse. I could always, you know, be a writer or go back to agency or do this or be a strategist. Like I've always got things in the back of my brain that I can do. I don't want to do, but I can if I needed to make a buck. And so it was a very pivotal moment for me. And I never went back. And I did approach it like, I mean, there's still this tweet that goes around and I didn't say it. I mean, I said it, but I don't know if I was quoting someone else or I made it up somewhere. But my whole philosophy is that I didn't want to let school get in the way of my education. Yeah. You know, like I think people do that. They think education is school. It's not. Education is everything. I mean, you choose tonight if you're going to go and watch Space Force on Netflix or pick up a book. You choose whether or not you're going to expose yourself to interesting newsletters and people and articles, or if you're going to scroll endlessly on your Instagram feed or TikTok, like you decide. You make the choice. Yeah. And again, when I read that book by Tom Peters, which was called The Project 50 that Andy Nauman gave me, my reaction was, 
this is entertainment. Like I think most people don't get that. They think that learning is not entertainment. You know, so like when I watch Masterclass, which I, I love the Masterclasses, and I'm watching David Sedaris spend 16 hours talking about writing, I'm not like, oh, I, this is like a hard learning course. I'm like, this is more entertaining to me than watching a stand-up special on Netflix. Which Or being in that arena listening to some thrash metal. Yeah, well, look, I mean, that's another thing where I do think that art is a huge part of culture and culture is a huge part of what makes people interesting. And my greatest heartbreak, one of the greatest heartbreaks, I mean, it's definitely hard to sit here today because I'm sitting here in the middle of this pandemic with everything that I do, which is primarily speaking, having been ripped away from me in like a week, like my entire year and revenue gone. That's hard. But equally hard was, and I don't remember when, but it was early. It was probably March or April when they announced the jazz festival here in Montreal was off. Like that was like really traumatic for me because that to me is a week of learning. I'm like going from different venues and seeing different people and sometimes even conducting interviews because I have another podcast where I interview bass players. And so when people say that, like, oh, you know, like you're metalhead, you're punk, I'm like, I'm all those things. I love art. I love culture. I love music. And to me, it is a, I learn so much. I know it sounds crazy, but when I go to concerts, I learn so much about how I feel about art, what it means to me, but then also the mechanics, like watching the production, because I spend a lot of time on stage, seeing how people move, what they say to the crowd, what gets the crowd interested. And I've been lucky to go on the road with several bands that have become famous, that are friends of mine, to see nights where they're amazing. The audience is amazing. I've seen nights where I thought the gig was great. You walk backstage and they want to kill each other because they thought it was so bad. Like there's so much education that we can take in those things. And I guess it's perspective over the years. And music is another one of the huge sources of mojo for me. It's interesting how you're not sure if it's your quote that you tweeted around, you know, don't let school get in the way of your education. Last year, my daughter's school, I was invited in. They were doing like a career day for the senior class that are about to graduate. And I was on a business panel. So they had someone from like a big corporation and someone who was a lawyer. And then I was the token sort of entrepreneur. Yeah, the creative guy. Yeah. (laughs) A weirdo. And there was one of the young girls in the class, or a woman, young woman said, you know, look, I'm curious, you know, which should I study in university if I want to become an entrepreneur? I sort of paused. You'd see the career teacher there kind of looking at me, and I had this moment of like feeling back in school. I was like, I got to tell her the truth. And I was like, maybe you don't go to university (laughs) and just start a business. Yeah. My reaction is maybe everything, like study everything. Yeah. And I was just like, I could see the teacher's eyes like, why did I invite this guy? It's, you know, in my second book, Control All Delete, I talk about it in like a very pragmatic way, which is we think it's like we're going to go to high school. We're going to choose a path. Well, I tell the story about like how a friend of mine was sort of good in math and the guidance counselor was like, you should try engineering and like took that and Sejep and then went on to university and then got a job and does it does quite well. But it's like, wow, this whole person's life is predicated on this weird meeting with a guidance counselor where they're like, you're pretty good in math and sciences. You should be an engineer. And like 30 years later, they're still doing it. I'm like, wow, that's like the marriage didn't last, but that did like, it's mind blowing to me. And, and that's linear, right? It goes like bottom left, top right. Like you're on this sort of trajectory because this is what these infrastructures and systems do. But when we think about the people we like and respect the most as leaders, as thinkers, as speakers, as writers, usually their careers are very squiggly. They, you know, sort of goes up and then down and they tried this, that didn't work, but that piece led to this. And 
I was able to self-reflect on that and realize that I actually do like people whose careers are very squiggly. And what that means is not that they've tried a bunch of different stuff. It's that some stuff didn't work and they went over there and then they moved here and did that. Like, I'm always just like, that's what makes stories good. Like, which biographies do you like to read? I went to high school. They told me what to do. I did that. And I was quite successful with it. It's like, yeah, you know, it's a bit of a snooze fest. So what that means ultimately is adventure, right? Like we like advent, like people who like adventure are going to have very interesting careers if you apply the fact that you like adventure to your career. Do you know what my grade 11 career counselor told me? What's that? It's so ironic. So I went in, I didn't know what I was going to do, but my dad had given me this book, Ogilvy on advertising. I've heard of it. Yeah. It's probably the most famous <laughs> ad books ever. Yeah, and say, it's like the Bible. Yeah. Probably like your Tom Peters book. It was the first book I just was like, just going through like, this is not, this is not reading. This is entertainment. So I went in and I kind of shyly pulled out this book. I didn't know what the industry was. I just read this book and was inspired. I said, I think I want to go into advertising. So he looked at my grades and said, you're horrible in English. You don't know how to write. I don't see you in that. <laughs> I was like, okay. I'm going to do exactly the opposite of what this guy's telling me, but much later on. But the power these guys or, you know, these people have, you know, but in a way it didn't work in his case. But I was like, who's he to make that decision, you know? But again, it's interesting because here we are, you know, with a lot of distance learning or no school, depending on, on what system you're in. And you sort of start seeing the value of teachers more, especially when you have younger kids. But my story was, it was probably, you know, grade 11, which is when you graduate in high school here in Quebec. And um, my art teacher, Alana Kuska, who to this day remains one of the, you know, if I could make a candle with her picture on it and give her sainthood, I probably would, <laughs> would light that candle often. Because our school, it was like a private Jewish school and there was like art and drama. What there was was considered like, oh, that's where you have extra recess. Like it, there was no music program. And again, it was very academically driven. And I remember sitting in art class, which I loved and I loved everything related to art. And she said to me one day, you know, you should do something creative with work. And my answer back to her was like, what? What are you talking about? What does that even mean? Like, I didn't even know that was a thing. I thought that art was just sort of the thing you did to not have to work. Like that was not work. And it led to a conversation that was probably more powerful than any conversation I had even though my guidance counselors and stuff were quite empathetic to me. And so again, that shows you that the other side of the story is true. It's like, oh yeah, like you can, you can make a living as a, like a writer or a creator. Like I just didn't, all joking aside, grade 11, I had no clue. I thought that that was the stuff you did for fun. You know, like it just wasn't work. So it's interesting that everybody I think has these stories of these elementary or high school teachers where it was either a book they passed or just a little side comment. And it was a lesson that I took with me for the rest of my life when people ask me to meet up for coffee or to pick my brain or they want to work with us or they want a mentorship. I'm always very cognizant of the words that I choose because you don't know what's going to stick on someone. Yeah, you don't want to be like that guidance counselor I had. That... No, you do not. But again, like one could make the argument then like that's what you needed. Yeah. Right? The old joke is like uh, Chris Rock tells a story about, you know, like his joke about Facebook is like, you know, this happened, right? It's like Mark Zuckerberg was like the biggest loser in the world. And somebody basically like he came up with the name for Facebook because someone took a book and smashed him with it in the face. <laughs> you know, it's like, <laughs> like we wouldn't have Facebook if he wasn't bullied type of thing, you know? So I think that everybody has their own. Andy uh, Nolman, I had him on uh, Mojo Moments the other week and we said, you know, where do you get your mojo? And he says, when people tell me I can't do something. Oh, totally.
Well, that was awesome. Thank you, Mitch, for taking the time with us to share those insights. If you love this bonus episode, check out the full conversation I have with Mitch. We have an interesting, fun article from five years ago, a conversation between Mitch Joel and Sid Van Carl. Check it out on our website. And playing us out is Chris Vellin and his awesome tunes. Take care. Be safe. <laughs>